Welcome to First Presbyterian Church of Evanston. This Sunday sermon was given by guest speaker, Reverend Amanda Goldbeck. If you'd like more information about First Presbyterian Church of Evanston, please visit firstpresevanston.org. Our scripture reading this morning comes to us from the book of Isaiah, chapter 2, verses 1 through 5. If you're using the Pew Bible, it's on page 644. Would you join me in prayer? Loving God, we thank you that the reading and the, the entrance to your word brings light. And we pray that because of this reading this morning, it will bring us light, it will bring us insight, it will cause us to think deeply about who we are as your children in this world. We offer this prayer through Christ our Lord. Amen. So this is Isaiah chapter 2, verses 1 through 5. The word that Isaiah, son of Amos saw concerning Judah and Jerusalem. In the days to come, the mountain of the Lord's house shall be established as the highest of the mountains and shall be raised above the hills. All nations shall stream to it. Many peoples shall come and say, Come, let us go up to the mountain of the Lord, to the house of the God of Jacob, that he may teach us his ways, and that we may walk in his paths. For out of Zion shall go forth instruction, and the word of the Lord from Jerusalem. He shall judge between the nations, and shall arbitrate for many peoples. They shall beat their swords into plowshares, and their spears into pruning hooks, Nation shall not lift up sword against nation, neither shall they learn war any more. O house of Jacob, come, let us walk in the light of the Lord. This is the word of the Lord. Let us pray. Holy God. Come into this space and into our hearts this day. That we, hearing your word, may be changed. Being changed may go out as transformed people. Amen. Isaiah, verse 2, reads, In days to come, the mountain of the Lord's house shall be established as the highest of the mountains and shall be raised above the hills. There is something special about mountains, especially in the Bible. They crop up in quite a few different occasions. There is something about being able to see the world and our relationship with God a little differently from the peak rather than the valley. We sometimes in Christian conversation talk about mountaintop experiences, those transformative faith moments that leave an unchanging mark on us. When we talk about the kingdom of God, 
there is often a sense of placing it up there. In this season of Advent, we wrestle with a particular reality about the kingdom. We wrestle with the reality that up there becomes down here. We wrestle with the reality that we are the ones invited and and encouraged and called to flood the mountain to learn and be transformed by God's word. In this season of Advent, we stand gazing up at the mountain, having to decide if we are ready to meet God for the first time again. Every summer at the church I served in North Carolina, we took the high school youth to the Montreat Youth Conference. The conference is located at a Presbyterian retreat center in the mountains of North Carolina. At the time, it drew over a thousand youth for each of the six weeks that the conference went on. And there was a tradition among the youth of my church that near the end of the week-long conference, the youth would go on a sunrise hike up Lookout Mountain. The goal was to arrive at the top just as the sun was rising over the peaks of the Blue Ridge Mountains. This meant that we would roll out of bed in the midst of the early morning darkness and make our way up. Some of the youth tackled it with energy, while others wished they could have slept through the whole experience. I made a rule that this was an all or nothing experience. I, I, um, I mean, I made the rule that this was an all or nothing experience, meaning either we all suffered, I mean embraced it together, or none of us did it. This invoked just the right kind of peer pressure to make all the youth and adults agree to do it each year. Towards the end of a week where we had already stayed up way too late and gotten up way too early, we would all stumble our way out of the dorms, up the road, and onto the path that would wind its way up and up and up, and and then it would make us traverse some boulders. And there was always one or two youth or adults who partway up wanted to turn around. But I would remind them that this was an all or nothing activity. What we started together, we would finish together. There were definitely a few youth in my time that I can truly say in that moment, they hated me. They were tired and they were worn out and thought this whole activity was stupid and they hated my unwillingness to let them check off this activity simply by virtue of them having attempted it. You see, I wasn't interested in whether they attempted it. I knew they needed to make it to the top. I pushed them on because I knew they were headed for something great that would change things for them. Little by little, my group would make our way closer to the top until until finally we reached the peak. 
We would crest to the top and suddenly the deep darkness that had plagued us as we made our way up, the darkness would recede and the most gorgeous sunrise would gradually lift over the mountains. Suddenly in that moment, God became more real and tangible for these young people than in any other instant in their lives to that point. Suddenly, they no longer hated me because they realized I was prodding them towards something they deeply needed. I will admit there was more than one year where I too made my way begrudgingly up the mountain, wondering why I needed to do this again and kicking myself for making the all or nothing rule. I felt like it didn't matter if I saw another sunrise. If you've seen one, you've seen them all. But the truth is, I needed that hike as much as the kids. I needed to be reminded once again that the hardship, the stumbling in the dark, the tiredness and sore muscles wasn't all there was. I needed to be reminded that the darkness that caused me to trip and fall and that seemed endless under the canopy of trees wouldn't last forever, but that the light would come and cast a glorious view that suddenly made everything different. I truly loved that experience with my youth and especially the adults because it was a truly transformative moment. It changed all of our perspectives. As disciples or questioners or those curious about Christianity, the journey we are on in many respects is that of having our perspective changed. As the old adage goes, sometimes we can't see the forest through the trees. Our world is great at convincing us that what you see is what you get. That the darkness, the pain, the challenges, the war and hatred, the every person for themselves mentality is simply how the world works. It is easy to find ourselves living according to a narrative that lacks hope, grace, or any sense that there is more to our lives than everyday responsibilities. This week, as I encountered the news with the war in Ukraine becoming ever worse, gun violence taking over the headlines again and again and again, and protesters being oppressed in Iran, to name only a few of the realities of our world, I began to wonder what we as Christians have to say and hold on to in the midst of such profound brokenness. The temptation is to conclude, as the world would prefer, that there is nothing that can speak into such brokenness, that we are powerless. Then we read Isaiah. Many people shall come and say, come, let us go up to the mountain of the Lord, to the house of the God of Jacob, that he may teach us his ways and that we may walk in his paths for out of Zion shall go forth instruction and the word of the Lord from Jerusalem. He shall judge between the nations and shall arbitrate for many peoples. They shall beat their swords into plowshares and their spears into pruning hooks. 
Nation shall not lift up sword against nation, neither shall they learn war any more. Today, today begins the season of Advent in the church year. It is easy to approach Advent as I was tempted to approach hiking Lookout Mountain another time, as if we have experienced one Advent, then we have experienced them all. If not approached carefully, it can become one more way that we give in to the current state of the world, assuming it's all a hopeless mess. Advent is a season of anticipating the coming of Christ. It is a journey from darkness to light. It is a process where we prepare ourselves to proclaim that Emmanuel, God with us, is in fact dwelling among us. The challenge we face is stepping into the Advent journey ready to face the paradoxical reality that what we celebrate through Advent and on Christmas is both the fulfilled expectations of God's kingdom come and and the ever-coming fulfillment of those kingdom expectations. Isaiah begins with the phrase, in the days to come. It is easy for us to reduce the kingdom of God, that which is prophesied in Isaiah, to some far-off, ever-disappearing occasion on the horizon. In fact, that which is described so clearly in Isaiah is our hope, is the new perspective through which we can live because we journey through Advent as people who live in the already but not yet. We live as people who have been to the mountaintop and see the world differently because of it. We wait and watch during Advent, affirming the truth that the Prince of Peace, King of Kings, Emmanuel, has come into the world and has set in motion through his crucifixion, death, and resurrection, that which Isaiah speaks about. Isaiah's description of the kingdom changes our perspective, moving us from resting in powerlessness hopelessness, utter darkness, to looking upwards towards the mountaintop. Professor Fleming Rutledge remarks, the hope that we meet coming toward us in Advent, then, is the hope that lies beyond any possible good news that could rise out of human situation. It must come to us out of the future God, or not at all. Christ coming into the world changes everything. It is living into the truth that Christ has come and will come again that we are able to have our perspective transformed through Isaiah's words. We have hope that God's kingdom will come in its fullness and nations will learn war no more. We have hope that weapons will be transformed into tools for cultivating food for God's children. We have hope that crowds will pour forth seeking God's word. We realize this hope in Advent by walking, crawling, trudging, stumbling our way through the dark. Advent compels us much like my former youth group kids were compelled to face the dark and climb higher and higher. Advent compels us to open ourselves to living a life that is transformed 
through the kingdom of God. Despite the world trying to thrust a cheery, sugary, sweet hue on this season leading up to Christmas, our journey as disciples, questioners, those curious about Christianity, is much more difficult. It is filled with wrestling and confession and dirt and skinned knees and doubt and tiredness. It is slow and patient as we glimpse day by day, moment by moment, how the darkness is slowly receding. As we glimpse through the smile of a friend, the invitation to dinner of a neighbor, a carrying card in the mail, the gathering of the body here. As we glimpse the kingdom, the hope-filled kingdom that one day will burst forth in fullness as bright and majestic and all-consuming as the morning sunrise over the peaks of mountains. This This is the good news of Advent, of the kingdom, of what it means to follow Christ. I prod you along this day as I prodded my youth up the mountain. Isaiah's words prod us all along. You and I and all people near and far need what the kingdom has to offer. In this Advent season, seek. Seek those that need to have their perspective changed that need to know there is a hope beyond all hope. Seek the glimpses of the kingdom all around and keep on the journey. The only way to the light of God is by steadily turning towards God. As Isaiah calls us, O house of Jacob, come, let us walk in the light of the Lord. Amen.